Peace, power, and prosperity, family. How we doing out there? It's the Bitcoin Block Billy coming to you once again with an early rising crypto update. And we've got an interesting, um, very interesting article that will break down and explain a lot about how this monetary credit money system works. So, this is um, brought to us by smartcredit.io. <clears throat> and the title of the article is Will there be credit money in the crypto sphere? Real interesting uh, question. And I like how they went in and actually broke this down. So, <clears throat> I'm going to begin. It is going on, what, 6.45 a.m. Chicago time. Early birds. This is only for the early birds going in. It goes on to state. During presentations, oh, also, September 19, 2019, just to keep, keep the dates right, keep the, uh, you know, the uh, time stamp on things. So, September 19, 2019, it is 646 a.m. The article states, during presentations about money, we usually hear that money has to be durable, portable, divisible, and fungible. We fully agree with this distinction. However, there is a bigger picture. Money doesn't just have one dimension. It actually has two. The base money. And the credit money. The notes and coins in your wallet are the base money. The money that you have in your bank account is actually the credit money. And I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is going to break down so much and really give everyone a solid foundation to start building on when it comes to how the monetary system actually works and not how you um, think it works. Because I was lost for a long time thinking that I knew how money worked and come down to find out I never knew how money really worked. So in this article, they're going to analyze how base money and credit money work today. They're going to analyze how base money and credit money worked in the last 5,000 years. And it's going to discuss credit money in the crypto sphere. And then, of course, the Bitcoin block bully is going to give his own added commentary. Goes on to state. And for those that will be watching this on... Um, the Bit Patreon page, you'll be able to see the figure that we're showing right now. For those that will be listening in on New Money Matrix podcast, you can look up some of these pics probably on Google if you so choose. Anyways, it goes on to state, below is a picture of the first known credit money from Mesopotamia, from CA 2500 BC, now in the possession of the British Museum in London. The intuitive answer to the key question of this article will be, well, let's go back and what did they say? Credit money has been around for 5,000 years. Do we need credit money in the crypto space? And the intuitive answer to the question of this article will be yes. Since credit money has been, a long, has been around for so long, it will be around in the future as well. But how? The crypto spirit today does not have any form of credit money. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, etc., can only be used as base money because credit money has to be dynamic. Credit money is elastic. It is created and destroyed every time we perform economic transactions. Base money versus the credit money. Let's start with how this works today. Base money is created by central banks and credit money is created by commercial banks. So you have central and you have commercial. And they're public and private. Or private from public. Um, base money constitutes about 3 to 7% of today's money. 
<laughs> the rest is credit money. Pay attention. Credit money is elastic. Its amount grows and declines together with economic transactions. More economic transactions result in more lending, which results in more credit money and vice versa. An interesting book that individuals may want to check out for future references is The Creature from Jekyll Island. Very, very, very interesting book. Um, the, this elasticity perimeter is the key reason why we say that Bitcoin and Ether, as well as other cryptocurrencies, are not a form of credit money, but base money. The supply of credit money also rises and falls. Additional economic activities lead to additional demand for credit and reduced economic activity to reduce demand. And they got a figure of uh, pulsating credit money supply. It goes up with the economic activity and it, it declines if there is no economic activity. So when looking at this, if we can think back to around 2009, I think it was after the 2008 financial crash, um, then sitting President Obama brought in what was known as the stimulus package. And I want you to research and look at the definition of what a stimulus package is and what its uses are or what, it's, what it gets put in play for. Anyways, and it, it, it explained more about how the post-secondary credit money supply works. Now, credit money is by principle rather temporary. Interesting. However, in our current monetary system, we create more credit money than we destroy resulting in the continuous growth of total credit money available circa 5% to 7% per year. So how is credit money created today? Credit money is created by commercial banks in the lending process. No commercial banks are not lending your grandma's deposits. They create credit money by the so-called balance sheet extension procedure. Now let me go back to... Um, Whoever wrote this article is not so much swaying in the way that's really trying to let um, what's going on be known because, yes, they are lending your grandmother's deposits, um, in my opinion, through the research that I've done. But we're going to continue on with the article, though. Uh, credit money is created every time you receive a loan from a bank and destroyed every time you pay back a loan. The money which you have in your bank account is not as durable as you might have thought. There are continuous cycles of destruction and creation happening in the background. In fact, let's see if they get into fractional reserve banking. Um, credit money creation, loan to the applicant, credit money destroy, loan is paid back. Simple. Works pretty much like a CDP, collateralized debt position in the make a um system. Banks create credit money <clears throat> and protect it with their reserves. For example, the douche bank which have a balance sheet to equity ratio of 100 to 1. And there are national deposit insurances as well. For example, the Swiss deposit insurance, which has reserve funds to cover 4% of all Swiss deposits. Hmm. Interesting. In practical terms, banks do the following. <clears throat> they create and destroy credit money, protect created money with reserves, Create ratings for every client. 
legal enforcement if not perform, performing loans. Mm, interesting. Legal enforcement if not performing loans. In order for them to perform loans, individuals have to need money. Almost like how in order for doctors to administer medicine, they need patients to be sick. Interesting though. Um, nonetheless, banks protect the value of credit money, which they have created with this mechanism. Well, what happens if this mechanism fails? No problem. It's fixed by creating more of the same. Creating more credit money. Which, um, I don't know about credit money, but I do know that the Fed just um, stated they were going to cr- create, I believe, $123 billion, um, base dollars, if I'm not mistaken. They be wrong about that, but I think they, I think they um, may want to check that out. Anyways, the central banks will create additional base money. Oh, just all second, and push it into the circulation via commercial banks, which is quantitative easing. Or, lending criteria are simplified. For example, the Federal Reserve interest rate is reduced, or the balance sheet to mark to model equity requirements are relaxed. So that more and more credit money will be created via lending. Or, governments will take on more debt and try to pump it into real economy to stimulate the multiplication effect. Now, this only works in cases of real investments. It doesn't work in cases of just spending. Obviously, this mechanism will result in inflation sooner or later. Or in deflation. If no one wants to borrow anymore. But, as this happens later then this is someone else's problem. Some people say that this system reminds them a little bit of musical chairs game. We think that's wrong. It is the musical chairs game. That's, that's interesting. I hope y'all caught that last... Um, let me see. I hope y'all caught that, that last jewel. Goes on to state. In fact, let me read that over. This mechanism, will re- this mechanism will result in inflation sooner or later, or in deflation if no one wants to borrow anymore. But as this happens later, then this is someone else's problem. Um, well, no, that wasn't what I wanted to read. What was it? Uh, governments will take on more debt and try to pump it into the real economy to stimulate multiple, multiple, uh, the multiplication effect. So, basically, they're... Because remember, a dollar is a debt obligation. So the more debt obligations you put out there, right? Um, let's see, the monetary, and think about how musical chairs goes. Go around in the circles. Everybody's going to sit down. One person's not going to have a chair. Who's going to get left with the bag? Who's going to get left with the bag? Now, the monetary systems now and in the past. Monetary systems have always been made up of base money and credit money. The differences lie in who is creating the base money and who's creating the credit money. Our current fiat monetary system is actually not very old. It started in the time between the time period between the Federal Reserve creation, 1913, and the gradual gold standard abolishment, 1933, nationalizing gold in U.S. Now, the 1944 Bretton Woods Agreement. Um, 1971, removing gold back from USD-based money, which um, I believe Nixon did. And then in 1992, 
removing gold backing from CHF-based money. Hmm, didn't know about that. Our fiat system looks as follows. So, rewind before we go into how it looks. Let's run through exactly what just happened to um, our current monetary system. Which started only since 1913. Pay attention to that. It's only the year 2019. So the Federal Reserve only been around since 1913. Before that, individuals held a lodial title. There were not the constraints that they have economically on individuals as there is now. Let's go on with the uh, story. So, Fiat World USD, Fiat World Euro. So we got USD and Euro, two powerhouses, two... Uh, Large economic corporations. Total commercial bank created. Central credit money. USD 75 trillion. And they exchanged that with euro of 50 trillion. Monetary base in the U.S. is created by the United States Fed. USD 3.6 trillion. Monetary base in the U.E. is created by the ECB. Euro 4.5 trillion. How did it work before our fiat system? Hmm, through the following. Let's see. Practically, commercial banks created their own private credit money, which was inexchangeable for physical gold. Which was exchangeable, excuse me, for physical gold. Meaning that if you had a collateral, i.e. gold, that you wanted to sit within this financial institution because you needed to do some type of um, spending, and you know it's hard to spend, you know, nuggets of gold, bullion of gold, coins of gold, whatever the case may be, you would turn your gold in and they would give you uh, a gold certificate, if I'm not mistaken, that represented a certain amount of um, units compared to the, its weight in gold. Now, central banks created national-based money, which was backed by inexchangeable for gold. This system started to emerge around the time period of the creation of the first central banks in Sweden and England in the 1660s and lasted until the Federal Reserve was created until 1913. So, so something lasted over 300 years, if I'm not mistaken. A little, little, little under 300 years. And then they chose to... Just switch everything over. Now, a lot of this has to do with bankruptcies that have befallen certain corporate entities. That's uh, another story, though. There were several, several sub-phases during this time. Free banking areas. Gold-based systems. Some countries introduced central banks earlier and some later. In some cases, the central banks were independent. In other cases, there were state treasuries. The key to this phase was, however, base money was backed by a commodity, i.e. gold, silver, um, hemp, you know, really in, 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 a, in a, a free market, pretty much anything that you would want to back it by, which is what I'm actually seeing, which they haven't gotten into yet. But I'm seeing um, base money with cryptocurrencies now being able to be backed by actual commodities, once again, physical assets. Also, they go on to state, commercial banks created their own private credit money, which they protected with their reserves. So now we've got commercial banks creating their credit money. 
on both sides. And then central banks create gold-backed national base money on both sides, and they exchange with each other. One Nation one and nation two. These are two nations, not crayons. Two nations. Okay? Nationality is the word, for the word of the day. The earlier phase started around 500 B.C. and lasted until 16, whoa, 1660. The first coins were created around 500 B.C. This was a time when the standing armies in Europe, India, and China had to be financed. They were financed with sovereign minted coins. In the beginning, the coins were usually 10%, excuse me, 100% gold or 100% silver. Then later, the king started to reduce the ratio of precious metals in the coins. This caused hidden inflation in base money. However, the coins were legal tender and one had to accept them. Now, in the time period where the Phoenician or Phoenicia, the Islamic trading network, and anyone that has done any type of research, you would know that the Phoenicians are none other than the Moors. Um, now, the Islamic trading network, Mediterranean and Hanseatic trading networks existed. Decentralized credit money was created in peer-to-peer -peer transactions. And people, they say, brought this in. Obligations to pay were used to bearer notes, which could be used to pay third parties, who could pay fourth parties, and so on. In the end, the borrower had to pay to the owner of the bearer note. So now we have notes, contracts being passed along. So the key to this phase was base money was created by sovereigns and was inflated slowly. Credit money was created decentrally by people in peer-to-peer -peer transactions. <laughs> nation number one and nation number two. Decentrally created credit money on both sides. And then sovereign created money in the form of coins on both sides. Interesting. But how did it all work before 500 BC? There were many blossoming civilizations during that time. And the following are common to all of them. You had commodities. Gold, silver, grain, shells. That were used as base money. Credit money was created decentrally. So now once again you have two nations. You have the decentrally created credit money on the top. On the bottom you have the commodity gold, silver, wheat, grain, so and so on the bottom. However, governments and sovereigns were not involved in the definition of what the base money had to be. The people decided it. Neither did they define how credit money had to work. The people also decided it. There was no government involvement. But there was a court system for enforcing contracts. <laughs> Always remember, contract makes the law. The law is contract. And there was a government system for enforcing the court's decisions. The first known credit money is from Mesopotamia, from about 5,000 years ago. It was created decentrally in peer-to-peer -peer transactions. Mesopotamia used grain as their base money. The unit of account was a barrel of grain. On top of this was a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer credit money. In this case, clay plates with the stamps of the borrowers. The people are coming out of Mesopotamia. Understand where Mesopotamia is. And understand the time frame that they're talking about. So land structure was not as it is and stands today. Obviously, the barrels of grain were not easy to use in daily transactions, right? 
So this facilitated the usage of clay plates, base credit money even more. Now, classification of the monetary system. By using base money and credit money dimensions, we can classify the monetary system of the last 5,000 years as follows. The current crypto space doesn't have the credit money approach. But none of the civilizations in the past have survived without credit money. Which leads us to the next question. Which I don't know what happened to the um, classification. Unless it, this is what they're going to. Um, how will it work in the future? The first conclusion is that credit money has, has, been, has always been there. It has been created either as decentralized peer-to-peer transactions, private credit money of commercial banks, and central credit money of commercial banks. The second conclusion is that we are represented, excuse me, presented with two different possibilities to create base money. Control creation of base money, in this case, is created by central banks or sovereigns, keep the word play, and uncontrolled creation of base money. In this case, commodities like gold, silver, or grain are used as base money. Now, uncontrolled creation of base money means that a commodity, which cannot be manipulated, will be used as the base currency. The Swiss National, Swiss National Bank has increased its amount of base money by 10x in the last 10 years since the Lehman crisis. One cannot do this with commodity-based money. <laughs> Understand, once again, one cannot do this with commodity-based base money. U.S. courts have defined Bitcoin as a commodity. United States courts have defined Bitcoin as a commodity. Some people are unhappy about this. However, we are very satisfied with this. Speaking on smartcredit.io, the individuals who created the article, it allows us to move back to the commodity-based monetary systems, which are then by definition non-manipulatable. But, what's about the credit, crypto credit money? If we use the Bitcoin as our base money, who will create crypto credit money? In the end, there are three possibilities. Decentralized credit money, privatized credit money, or centralized credit money. In summary, credit money has been around for the last 5,000 years. No key civilization from the last 5,000 years has survived without using elastic credit money of one form or another. But credit money is currently missing in the crypto sector. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies have the characteristics of base money. They're missing the character, various characteristics, the elasticity, the continuous creation and destruction, and more of credit money. So who will create the elastic credit money for the crypto sector? Will it be created by the existing commercial banking infrastructure? Probably not since the crypto se se sector will not accept the old world credit money. Interesting. They will not accept the old world credit money. Mm. Will it be created decentrally without commercial banking? Probably yes. Our thesis is that the pendulum will move back to where we started. We will have commodity-based money, Bitcoin, Ethereum. We will have decentrally created elastic credit money. The court system will be there for enforcing the agreements, and the government will be there for fulfilling the court's decisions. It will be the same as it was in Mesopotamia 5,000 years ago, but this time empowered by the blockchain.
So um, that is closing. That's a lot to chew on. You may have to go back and listen to this more than once. Take notes. Um, get Black Laws Dictionary, maybe. In fact, what you really would want to have is an accountant dictionary or an accountant book of words. Um, very interesting article as it really, really gives us a, a outside-of-the-box look at how money actually works. And even though I, in my honest, humble opinion, you know, through the things that I've researched, they could have gone a lot more deeper, you know, in the um, exposing, I guess you could say, the flaw and fraud in the current monetary system, as some may say. But um, for educational purposes, it was definitely an eye-opener. So I want to thank those that will be viewing this video or listening in on the New Money Matrix podcast. And to the next one. Oh, also, I wanted to say this. When you look at how the credit system is set up with the MakerDAO system, right? Whereas you collateralize your Ethereum, that's the commodity, right? Base money. And then you actually do create credit money in the form of DAI. Because it is created and then destroyed upon paying off the loan and closing the CDP on the MakerDAO system. So I may have to go back to that and compare maybe certain articles to this article and see where we actually sit within this this credit money crypto system. I hope this article, I hope this commentary was helpful. Until the next video, until the next podcast, it's the Bitcoin Block Bully. Peace, power, and prosperity, family. I'm out of here.